This is an AMI podcast. Have you ever wanted to find out some of the things we do and say on commercial breaks? Well, you're about to hear some things you've never heard before on the neutral zone. Be warned, as the saying goes on our show, you never know what happens when you enter the neutral zone. Viewer discretion is advised. We'll do it live. Okay. We'll do it live from AMI headquarters in the center of it all. Holy moly! This the most genius, unbelievable is the most amazing, sensational, dramatic in history. The neutral zone. Oh my goodness! Hello and welcome to another edition of The Neutral Zone. I'm your friendly neighborhood guest host, Cam Jenkins, in for Brock Richardson, who is currently competing at the 2019 Parasport Games in Whitby. And today I'm joined by David Brett and the man behind the glasses, Jeff Ryman. How you doing, boys? Well, first of all, Cameron, uh, you're not Mr. Rogers, so don't ever introduce yourself as friendly and neighborhood. That's, uh, I believe, something from Spider-Man, Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man, but okay. Yeah, I, I thought it was a Spider-Man reference as well. Um, yeah, so you m- may m- want to get your uh, my bad. It's, shows. A, it's 11 o'clock on a Saturday. My brain hasn't kicked in. <laughs> uh, is that question. just because it's Saturday? Yeah, it is, is, it isn't, isn't that applicable all the time? <laughs> no comment. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I got to say something What's here. What's going on today, David? Well, you know, let's be honest here. None of us involved with this show could ever be considered, you know, fashion-conscious, fashion-oriented, fashionistas, whatever you want to call it. But I'm sitting here, and Cam is to my left, Brett is to my right, and each of you are proudly displaying Austin Matthews Toronto Maple Leaf sweaters. Yes, Absolutely. Got to represent the guy that's going to be with us for another five years. Well, he will be, but I don't know. I mean, did you guys have something going on? Did you prearrange this? Uh, I, I don't know. I, it's I, kind of funny because we were texting last night, and we didn't even text about this. It just kind of happened. So, And, and you should know by now, and I don't even like Cameron, so the fact that we coordinate. That brings up another question, Brett. Do you like anybody? Jeff Ryman. Oh, the man okay. behind the glass. The man okay. who gave you the pickled onion. <laughs> so how is it that he gives you pickled onions and you like him, but you don't like me? I just like Jeff. Okay, fair enough. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe I haven't known him long enough. All I could say is, you know, with friends like that, who needs enemies, enemies. Brett? <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, what's going on with you? How was your week? It, it was good. I have so much sports going on. I loved I loved following it on Twitter. All the, the rumor mill was a swirling. Uh, especially with the NBA trade, de- trade deadline going on Thursday, I was basically glued to my phone and just constantly refreshing Twitter. And it was nuts. I saw your tweet about that. It's like uh, happy uh, refresh Woj's. Uh, yeah, the, getting those Woj bombs. And did we ever get a Woj bomb, especially here in Toronto, which I'm sure we'll talk about later in this show? But uh, yeah, sort of calming myself down. I remember I was. I was actually on with Brock because he uh, had his regular Thursday hit with Kelly and company. And Kelly asked me if I wanted to join and just sort of give a quick update as to uh, what's going on in the trade deadline. And I sort of had to check my pulse and sort of do a little bit of yoga to sort of calm myself down because it was just so exciting. Because obviously the Raptors getting a, an all-star, former all-star, former defensive player of the year, Marcus Gasol, is uh, 
pretty exciting for Toronto Raptors, plus other teams around the league were making plenty of moves. There was just so much going on. I sort of, and obviously Austin Matthews is, is signed with the Maple Leafs. As you guys, as clearly I missed the memo. I don't have an Austin Matthews jersey, but if you guys would have texted me, I could have gotten one. That, that's gotten okay, one. Jeff. I, I don't yeah. have one either. But you <laughs> well, know, you're not even a Leaf fan, so no. that explains that. But I'll, I'll tell you this. I, have, um, I, I used to collect hockey sweaters when I was much younger, but there's only I only have one sweater with a name and a number on the back of it. Please tell me it's not your own name and number. No, although <laughs> I did, I did have that one year when I had a, uh, uh, I had a half a season of Blue Jays tickets, and so they gave you an option of various things, and one of them was that they would, uh, they would uh, give you one of their game jerseys, and you could put whatever you want on it. So it was the year I was turning fifty. And, well, so I'll just say at the time it was 2004, and I was born in 1954, <laughs> so I had a Jays uh, jersey. I still have it at home uh, with Ruckavina 54 on the back of it. So, uh, folks, uh, keep that in mind. If you ever see me at a Jays game this coming season and you see that sweater, you'll know who it is uh, direct from the neutral zone. But, uh, no, getting back, because uh, players change teams often, and, you know, it's it's getting harder and harder as, as the years go by uh, to see one player play his entire career with one team and uh, you know I mean the guy I absolutely love he's my favorite hockey player of all time is Bobby Orr and I have the um, Bruins sweater from the Winter Classic the old the old gold like predominantly gold sweaters with the black trim that has uh, Orr and four on the back of it but that that's it otherwise you know I, I believe it or not I don't even have a New England Patriots jersey although if I was going to get oh. one I, I would get a, a TB12 on the back of it but uh, anyway a little bit of Brady yep a little bit of Brady and how about you Brett Where, what were you up to this week young man what was I up to this week uh well, uh, off Monday because we, we uh, you and I had the luxury of spending Sunday with uh, Mr. Richardson Mitchell, himself, Mr. Richardson and his uh, lovely gang. Yeah, uh, for the football game, and mm-hmm. uh, then uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, just work, 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 work. Yeah, T- just like the song. T- Tuesday, Tuesday night, I was lucky enough to uh, be at the dentist for forty-five minutes, getting my first filling. In 34 years. Wow, lucky you. Wow. In 34, is that why you're wearing the jersey that says 34? Because that's the first time you... You know, it's just some sort of sick irony that I'm wearing this (laughs) and that. And that's the correlation. But uh, I went to class. I had class on Tuesday night as well. And we had a quiz. And uh, my mouth was frozen from 5.30 until about 8.45. And class was from 7 o'clock till 8.30. And... I, I think I bombed this quiz, and I'm going to blame it on the fact that my mouth was frozen. Okay. That's one way of looking at it. So you had a or, mouth freeze that ultimately translated into a brain freeze. Is that, that correct? That's, that's correct, Dave. <laughs> oh, well yeah. done. Well done. Well, I was lucky enough and had the honor of uh, attending the Con Smythe uh, Celebrity Dinner this past week in support of Easter Seals Ontario. Uh, and that was a great time. I wasn't able to um, kind of um, elbow rub with a lot of the celebrities because I was at the 50-50 table the entire night. So, um, But I did get to see a couple of people because um, Bob McCowan of Sportsnet, he used to do a show right at the Consumite Celebrity Dinner. And now um, because of the production of the TV, 
he never goes there, but there's still a booth set up where I saw Cujo. He came and he was there and he was talking to Bob McCallan and uh, doing it uh, right from uh, the table right next to the 50-50 table. So I got to um, see Cujo. I got to see uh, Tessa. Um, a few other people too. Um, Did they have uh, Paul Beeston there as well? Yeah, I saw Paul Beeston as well because he nice. was talking to Bob. So, yeah. and that's one guy I would have loved to have been able to actually talk with Beeston, or have a picture yeah. with. Nice. And yeah. Dave Keon, I uh, would have loved to have been able to have a chat with him. And uh, Cameron, 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 Cameron we talked too, about. So. We talked about that this week. You were in the same uh, graduating classes as Dave Keon. Exactly, back in the 1800s. Right. Yeah, so, for sure. So. Well, so you are older than I am. Yeah, just a little bit. Ah, a little bit. You see, the folks, this is what we mean when we say you never know what's going to happen when you enter the neutral zone. We just learned something very profound here. But uh, getting back to the Easter Seals dinner, um, I think, uh, wasn't Jerry Howarth honored there as well? He was, yes. And actually, um, the 50-50 draw, it was done by about 9 o'clock, so mm-hmm. I actually got to see um, his speech. And it wasn't even a speech. He's a storyteller. Yes, he is. And he went on and on. And a lot of the times, you know, if a person goes on and on and on, not mentioning any names, I, it's... Like, I, I just don't like it or it gets very boring. Mm-hmm. I could have listened to Jerry Howarth the entire yeah, night. He's, he's, he's a great storyteller. He's, he's extraordinary in that regard. Absolutely. It, it, it was funny. I always think back uh, years ago when I was a reader here. Uh, I met I met Jerry here and uh, at AMI. I think he was uh, he was here for another sh- uh, to be on another show or whatever. But anyway, uh, oh, we ended up, uh, they actually had the pull. We got talking and, you know, just time went out the window. And uh, then basically they had to drag him into the studio because he was about to go on air about one minute later. Otherwise, we might have been talking for the rest of the day. And he was doing 98% of the talking, too, I might add. But uh, as you say, great storyteller. Could listen to him all day long. Absolutely. Uh, I just want to know, are you going to be volunteering there next year? Absolutely. So uh, you're bringing a date next year, correct? Uh, No. Oh, well. Because uh, I saw on, uh, was it Twitter or Facebook, you reached out to me and you said that if I took you as your date, you'd look really good in heels and a dress. And quite frankly, that just scares me. You, you forgot the point about pantyhose as well, but uh, oh. that's never here nor there. Oh, that's wow. fine. And, uh, wow. With that, we're going to have to take a break, and I think it's a great time to take a break. So coming up next, we're going to put a wrap on the Super Bowl 53, and we're going to discuss some of the things that we liked and that we didn't like uh, for the game. Uh, Right here on the Neutral Zone on AMI-audio and Voices for Ability, we will be right back. Cameron, I did research. I'm sorry, hashtag research. Nice. Not only that. So did David. That's awesome with the NBA. But I got my computer up and running. So any question you have, I'm going to blow it out of the water. (laughs) It's about time. (laughs) Hashtag research. Well, Jeff has a computer back there. I, I wanted to be just as cool as Jeff. And welcome back to the Neutral Zone on AMI-audio and Voices for Ability. I'm your guest host for this week, Cam Jenkins, and I'm joined by David, Brett, and Jeff. Now, the Super Bowl has come and gone for another year, and some people would say that the game was boring, with the Patriots only winning 13-3. to 
Gentlemen, what are your thoughts on the game? Uh, you know, it all depends on your perspective. If you're a casual fan who's turned on by 50-yard touchdown strikes, yeah, you, you probably would have found paint drying on the wall more exciting. If you appreciate offensive line play and good defense, that was a heck of a game. That was, that was, that was a real physical battle. And, uh, you know, the Patriots prevailed. But having said that, the Rams' defense played quite well as well. And, uh, you know, they... Uh, the, you know, they'd, they'd win 90% of the time, uh, you know, playing defense that way. Just didn't happen for them last Sunday <laughs> night, that's all. And I think that uh, one or two miscues the other way, and the Rams w- were certainly going to be Super Bowl champions. That that game was, it was tight. It was physical, like Dave said. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even though it was quote-unquote boring, it, it was a game that, people will talk about forever because it was boring. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, yeah, you, you're, you're going to have people say, oh, it was so boring, but they're going to continue talking about it being boring, and that's going to be their talking point. So it's going to be a, a, a game that's going to be memorialized for being boring. boring. But at the end of the day, isn't it just about just win, baby? Yeah, I, I think it, obviously you want to just win. And that's exactly what the Patriots have done for the past decade. Um, but it was boring. It might have been the most boring Super Bowl in the history of Super Bowls, or at least since I've been around watching them. And the reason why I say that is it was so lackluster. There was no offense in which we were expecting a huge offensive performance. Now, these might have been the two most hyped teams in the history of the NFL facing off against each other. Even the final four that we had with Kansas City still involved and New Orleans, that was outstanding. And people were like, well, if... If those if those two semifinal games that both went to overtime, both had controversy, people were expecting a game like that, myself included. I thought, wow, these are going to be some great teams going against each other. There's obviously some uh, backlash from Saints fans involved in this as well uh, from the previous cup from the previous two weeks. It was just sort of underwhelming, and I think that's why people are so disappointed in saying it's a boring game. But like like Dave and, and Brett said, if you're a hardcore Super Bowl or a football fan, then you're fine. You're fine watching the defenses battle it out. But if you're a casual fan, which I'd say the majority of people who watch the Super Bowl are, they thought it was boring. They want to see touchdowns, and there was only one touchdown the entire game. Not to mention the halftime performance was god-awful. It was Oof. so bad, I literally turned it off and started playing video games with my friends. Uh, that was just me. So I, I just thought, well, overall, it was just a boring game. <laughs> now, did Bill Belichick outcoach Sean McVay? 100%. But you have to consider Sean McVay is 33 years old. 32, 33 years old. And I mean, I, I understand that and you're looking at me, Cameron, like, what does that have to do with anything? He he doesn't have the experience as a head coach. Mm-hmm. Bill Belichick's going to go down as the best head coach in NFL history. Oh, absolutely. If he isn't already the best oh, head coach. Oh, I think coach. he already is. Yeah. So, I mean, it was experience versus youth. Mm-hmm. And so, and sometimes youth prevails. Just the, uh, this time he was completely outcoached. I guess you can call it out coaching. I, I Like, to me, when someone's outcoached, Generally, I think, well, one team made, one coaching staff made much better adjustments at halftime and uh, came out and took the game away. And in in that regard, I 
I'm not sure that uh, I'd say Belichick outcoached McVay. What I would say is I think the Patriots came into that game not that the Rams weren't prepared, mm-hmm. but the Patriots were so well prepared, prepared. that you know they uh, they ended up beating the Rams. I, I I'm, I'm not going to be very critical of Sean McVay. He's you know I mean heck he's done a fabulous job in mm-hmm. two years with that team, and uh, you know hopefully things get better for the Rams. Uh, you know as as you know uh, as time goes on. Mm-hmm. But at this point in time. Brady is the goat, and Belichick is the greatest coach. Uh, They're of both all time. the goats. They're the two goats. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, what about Goff? Did he crumble under the pressure, or was the Patriots' defense that good? Combination of both, I think. I think the Patriots' defense kind of made him crumble. Okay. And uh, you know, because if you go back to the NFC Championship game, the Rams got off to a rough start there, and it looked ten minutes into the game like the Saints were going to blow the Rams right out of the uh, Louisiana Superdome. And the Rams came back and won that game. But th- that never happened. And Goff was no more effective in the fourth quarter than he was in the first quarter. And I'm going to say the same thing I-, I did with your previous question. Youth. I mean, it's not an excuse. But, I mean, he's got a great career ahead of him. He's still very young. He's going to be an L.A. Ram for life. Mm-hmm. He's going to have ample opportunity to get back to the big dance. And I guarantee you he's going to win at least one more. Jeff? I, I think Goff crumbled under pressure, and he literally threw the game away with that interception late in the game. Mm-hmm. It was one of those what-are-you-doing type moments. Uh, he basically threw into double coverage, and it was an easy pick. He left it way up in the air for plenty of time for the safeties and DBs to read it. Easy interception. For me, uh, of course, Belichick is always going to have a very good counter to whatever the other offense brings. Um, but having that said, Jared Goff's uh, an all-pro type player. He should be able to be better than that. And he just definitely crumbled under pressure, which is sad to see because I love how he's played throughout the entire year. And it came down to the final couple minutes in that Super Bowl. And I'm sure he's kicking himself and probably has lost a ton of sleep over that interception. But uh, I think it's more so that Jared Goff... Um, through, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say threw it away, but it was pretty close to it because of that interception was definitely uh, the dagger for the Rams. You know, the, you bring up an interesting point, Jeff, because while you were, you know, while you were just saying that, uh, my mind drifted over to Patrick Mahomes, and you know, the Chiefs almost beat the Patriots. Mm-hmm. They didn't quite, and the Patriots did a pretty good job of keeping Mahomes under wraps, but they couldn't keep him under wraps the entire game, and you know, you saw what happened there. But, uh, you know, you, you just wonder if maybe Mahomes isn't a little bit farther down the curve than uh, than Jared Goff is at this point in time. Mm-hmm. Now, with um, the Rams, are they set up for long-term success to be able to sustain this team for many years, kind of like the Patriots have done? Uh, you know, that's going to be interesting to see because they do have a bunch of guys uh, uh, coming up on expiring contact, contracts. And I don't know if they're going to be able to keep them all. Uh, one thing, like what's interesting, I think what sets the Patriots apart is there is not one person on their team that is overpaid. And if you're out for the money and you're an NFL free agent, I think the word is out, do not sign with New England. If you want to win, yeah, you know. Uh, and, you know, I mean, 
again, everything's relative. I mean, to call a $5 million player a year in the NFL underpaid, uh, but then again, everything's relative. Uh, I think any of us would jump at the opportunity to, uh, you know, to have, have a chance at making $5 million a year, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. I think the Rams are definitely set up to become a future dynasty. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm saying they have the potential. They've got the young quarterback. They've got the young coach. They've got a young running back. Uh, They've got the best defensive player in the league locked up for long term. So I feel like if you have those uh, key pieces going forward, especially the quarterback, that seems to be the big thing in the NFL nowadays. If you don't have a good quarterback, you're most likely not going to make it to a Super Bowl. Just take a look at the final four quarterbacks we had this year. Most of those guys, well, two of those guys are the greatest of all time in Drew Brees and Tom Brady. Patrick Mahomes, the MVP of the league, and then Jared Goff, of course, uh, one of the better quarterbacks in the entire league as well. So I think if you have a quarterback, you have a solid defensive piece you can build around, which is Aaron Donald, who's a beast, and a, a young coach. I think you can really develop players around those guys, and I think that they have a chance of, of being great for years to come. And like we mentioned, we've been talking about this whole time, Sean McVay in his early 30s, uh, still very young, lots to give. Same with Jared Goff and, and companies. So I think that they're uh, going to be pretty good for, for quite a while now. The only thing I'm, I'm hesitant to use the word dynasty in the NFL, even though the Patriots are probably as close to that as you can get. But there's always two great equalizers in the NFL, injuries and the salary cap. And the only thing I, you know, the, the Rams could very well. I, I'm not saying they don't have that uh, that potential, but uh, dynasty is a word I I don't like to use. But barring any uh, injuries or salary cap implications that put them over the edge, like Jeff said, they've got some pretty awesome pieces to build around to continue to have a team that's going to be competitive for years to come. But the uh, the other thing, too, is, and again, you know, this this is where the importance of the salary cap cannot uh, can never be overestimated, in, in my opinion, because, again, you go back to the Patriots, and I don't think anyone there is more than a $5 million a year player outside of Tom Brady, and even compared to other uh uh, other starting quarterbacks in the NFL, Brady is probably closer to the bottom in terms of salary than he is to the top. Could you imagine if Tom Brady were to declare free agency? I mean, if <laughs> if a Kirk Cousins can get $30 million a year, God, Brady would should command 50 probably, if not 60. In uh, a salary cap world, though, um, yeah. you're not going to get people um, paid what they're worth, though, because you've got to fit everybody underneath well, absolutely. the salary cap. So. Absolutely. And so that's why, you know, that, that, that's part of the reason for the Patriots' success, because you have guys who are motivated who come in there. And it's a certain type of player who's willing to sacrifice salary for winning. Um, and the Patriots, you know, seem to have a handle on, on attracting that kind of player. And, you know, probably half that team will be different a year from now than it is today. And who knows, the Patriots could win another Super Bowl. And and quickly, David, you make a very good point. The the Patriots have historically, except for a few pieces, brought a lot of guys in who have been throwaways from other teams. Yes, they have. And they've managed to win and win and win, which is absolutely phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know another team in any other league that can do that has been able to do something like that. It's a testament to to the New England Patriots, to Bill Belichick, to Robert Kraft, and uh, and everybody else that's associated with them. One uh, one thing I, I, I 
couldn't help but, you know, think about watching the Super Bowl, though, was thinking to the sort of local NFL team, if you will, the Buffalo Bills. Two players on opposite sides in the Super Bowl. Uh, Stefan Gilmore had a monster game in the defensive backfield for the Patriots. Former Buffalo Bill left because of salary cap reasons and signs, signs with New England for less money but a shot at championships. The other, the bigger one to me, Robert Woods with the Rams. Probably their most dependable receiver all season long. He was cut by the Bills three or four years ago, and they didn't think he was good enough to play in the league. Just goes to show you, you know, the Rams in the Super Bowl, and, well, the Bills have a different regime now, and, you know, we won't go too far into that, but uh, hopefully better days ahead in uh, in Buffalo. Perfect. So uh, any other last thoughts on the uh, Super Bowl? Could these teams be, could this be a rematch next year? I was just going to say, I think we're going to see potentially, even the final four teams from this year are just so good that I, I, I mean, it's, 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 it's easy to say that right now that, that these two, that all these teams will, will meet. I mean, I feel like after every championship, you're like, oh, wow, these two teams are going to meet in a rematch next year, but you never know. There's so much that goes on between now through the off season through the beginning of the year. And like we mentioned, injuries are also also a concern. If one of these quarterbacks goes down, that could be the team. So uh, I don't know. I, I, but it's a, it's a good question. It could be a rematch for sure. I know we probably got to get going, but uh, I just want to lead or leave off to, to one final thing for the NFL season. Bring on my pickled onions. I'm so glad that I get a chance to eat something like eight, eight pickled onions in the next couple of weeks. And I look forward to making new bets for the next NFL season. And with uh, that happy thought, it's time for another break here on the Neutral Zone on AMI and Voices for Ability. Coming up next, we are going to be talking about the association. There is quite a flurry of trades that were happening on Thursday, and we're going to talk about that right after these messages. Welcome back to the Neutral Zone on AMI-audio and Voices for Ability. I'm Cam Jenkins, joined by David, Brett, and Jeff. And uh, this week, uh, the lineup, it was set as far as what we were going to be talking about as far as the NBA goes. And we were going to talk about how the Raptors got demolished by the Bucks, or beat handily by the Bucks, and then they had a bounce-back game against the Clippers. And then we were also going to talk about Jonas Valanciunas and how he's out for a month and how what we thought he was going to do when he came back. And then on Thursday, an hour before the deadline, the Raptors agreed to acquire three-time All-Star Mark Gasol in exchange for Jonas Valanciunas, DeLon Wright, C.J. Miles, and a future round, second-round draft pick. Gentlemen, what do you think of the Raptors trade? I think the Raptors actually won this trade. And why do you say that? Because Mr. Gasol is a proven veteran. He is a multiple-time defensive player of the year. He has got the experience. He's got the pedigree. And he may not be the final fit to, to put them over the top, but I guarantee you that they will be winning the Eastern Conference 
uh, this year. Guaranteeing. So you're going to put a pickled onion on that one? <laughs> Is that a, yeah, I was going to say. Do, what do I usually do? I usually put four on it, so I'll put four on it. <laughs> four pickled Ooh. onions. That they're going to win the Eastern Conference. Wow. They will probably be playing the Bucks, who made a splash at the deadline as well. They certainly did. And I've got four pickled onions on it. That's oh, fine. Brett, I, I, I admire your guts. I, re- I, I really do. You, you might not want to admire my guts after I, I eat the pickled onions. Probably not, but I, you know what? I mean, both Brock and I have made predictions, and we've paid healthily for them Absolutely. by taking everyone out for, for lunch. lunch. <laughs> but uh, you know what? I'd still, I'll be honest with you, I'd still rather drop a couple hundred bucks at lunch rather than, than, than eating eat, pickled onions. Eat, eating one pickled onion, never mind four. Oh, my, my stomach is churning just thinking about this. And oh. you, know, you know what? If, if Jeff can find something else in the grocery store that's not a pickled onion that won't kill me, when I consume it, I'd be more than happy to eat if that. If he's going to buy anything, it's not going to kill you. Otherwise, they wouldn't be selling it in the store. Well, Brad, I guess the old saying, you know, if something doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. I guess that really <laughs> applies to you, eh? Well, I'm tough as nails. There so. you go. All right. Some people would say. David, what did you think of the trade? Uh, you can look at it from a number of different ways. Uh, a couple, really. Uh, is is, is uh, Marcus Gasol someone who the Raptors need? Definitely. Uh, you know, now he, from what I understand, I don't think he has the rebounding capability, say, that JV once had, but he's good enough in that regard. But I think the Raptors also kind of had to make this deal to keep pace with both Milwaukee and Philadelphia mm-hmm. because of the trades those teams made. Uh, they're pretty lengthy. I've got them all. I wrote them all down here out of the transactions column in the, in, in the paper the other day, but uh, I, I won't go through it all. But Philadelphia upgraded themselves with uh, Tobias Harris uh, giving another outside uh, shooting threat. Milwaukee, I think, is the one really to watch. They getting, won getting uh, Nikola Miritich uh, from New Orleans. Uh, That guy is having a career year. He's averaging close to 20 points a game. Uh, And this guy is solid at both ends of the floor to an already solid team, as as we saw roughly 10 days ago. And I think that's that's the steal of the deadline right there. Miritich. Absolutely. Yes, it is. is. I agree. The only only thing, though, with Miritich is that he's been battling foot injuries. So um, he's been out for the past seven or eight games now mm-hmm. but you're right when he's healthy he's uh putting up some career numbers and he's a good three-point shooter he's a stretch big and i think that's where a lot of teams you look at what every team or the teams you just mentioned the bucks and the 76ers as well as the rappers what did they do they went out got a big guy who can stretch the floor shoot a three-point and i think that's obviously the direction the league is going and i think everybody's uh uh, trading up to almost be like that Golden State team where mm-hmm. almost everybody yeah. one through five can can shoot that three point. The interesting thing with Gasol, uh, I, I believe, his three point shooting percentage is way off from what it traditionally has been, mm-hmm. and he's what thirty four years old as well, if I recall correctly. I, I don't see him as being a big offensive presence with the Raptors. What I do think, though, is he's going to be a guy that they run the offense through. I think his game is going to be he's more. He's a great passer. Yeah, I was just going to say, you're going to see, you know. High like basketball in the, IQ. In so. the distribution end of things, I guess to a degree, maybe some shot blocking as well. But I, I, I wouldn't expect that Mark Gasol is going to come in here and average, you know, 20, 25 points a game. Leave that for the Lowry's and the Leonard's. 
And who who do you have in the Eastern Conference? Uh, as we just mentioned, the 76ers, the Bucks, but those guys have two guys on their teams that are just, they seem unstoppable. And Joel Embiid for Philadelphia yes. and Giannis Antetokounmpo for Milwaukee. And you bring in a guy like Mark Gasol, who's known for his defensive presence, the 2013 Defensive Player of the Year. And I think that it's a big upgrade JV was solid defensively, but Gasol is way better defensively. And now that you can combat Embiid and Giannis with a guy like Mark Gasol, as well oh, as everything Gasol's else one he guy, does, though he's not going to be able to defend both of those. Oh, guys. He's, I'm not saying he's 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 the the savior of, of that, but it's definitely an upgrade over Valanciunas. That's for sure. Um, and, and defensively, I would agree. Offensively, yeah. I think it's kind of a wash, though. No, I, I, think, I think I think Marcus Sol is the superior, better player all around, even offensively. He's averaging 16 points, nine rebounds, five assists. JV's been in and out of the lineup. Yeah, he's sort of shot a three every now and then. Valanciunas has, but Marcus Sol is a legit stretch at the five position, which you don't really see too often in the league. So with Valanciunas, he's been um, getting half the minutes basically with the points that he's been getting, whereas Marc Gasol, he's basically been on uh, the court the entire time to help try to save the Grizzlies. Yeah, exactly. I mean, JV was not reliable in the latter parts of games, so that's why he never got the minutes. I think Marc Gasol is, well, he was the cornerstone of the Memphis Grizzlies. They, The owner came out and said that they're actually going to retire his jersey in Memphis one yeah. day. Uh, I, I knew he was a good player. I didn't think he was he was that great but, no, uh, you know, to get your jersey retired. I, maybe but. I just have, have a different love for Marc Gasol because I feel like he's been criminally underrated as a player throughout his entire it's, career. He's always been known as, oh, that's Powell's younger brother. He was a second round yeah. pick uh no he's been he, he's a he's a very very good player like you guys mentioned he's 34 years old so maybe a he's bit slowing past down his too prime because his but, numbers have been going down as well this but, year but they're not they're not awful they're still very very yes. solid numbers like borderline all-star numbers and now he's not an all-star per se but he's very close to it and i think that uh he's very underappreciated and i think that this is going to put them over the top. I think Cameron, I, I think you've yeah. been, you're, you're talking more with your heart than your head about this. And, no. and, that, and, that, and that's fine. I, I, there have been times where I've talked with my heart more than my head uh, about things. Uh, usually it's, it's probably more often than not. Uh, I just want to touch on the, the 76ers getting rid of Markel Fultz. Is this the biggest draft bust in NBA history? Uh, no, Anthony I don't know Bennett. about the biggest. Yeah, yeah, and, and it pains because I was a huge fan of Anthony Bennett. I didn't think he would go first overall, and obviously he didn't choose himself to go first overall. He was selected by Cleveland first overall. Uh, he was obviously a great player at UNLV, but just couldn't really adapt. But yeah, I mean, he's he's working on his game in the G League. He's still doing very good in the G League. Maybe he reemerges at some point. He's still only twenty five years old, but he's the biggest bust. But Markel Fultz, uh, I I wouldn't even say he's number two. I I would say he's probably. Uh, I mean, obviously in that draft, they had the likes of Jason Tatum, who could have potentially been the first overall pick, and has been very good for Boston. Um, but Fultz was drafted based on his athletic ability and uh, pure rawness of, of how good he could potentially be, and he just hasn't really really lived up to that. And obviously the shoulder injuries have been a huge pain in his side, and 
Um, but no, I don't, I don't think he's the biggest bust in NBA history. Getting back to the Gasol trade, though, I just wonder about something, another angle here. Uh, Gasol is under contract for next season as well. He has a player option, so more than likely he'll pick it up for $25 sure, million, sure, like sure. I would. So anyway, the issue of free agency there is is not a big one right now. Do you think, too, in addition for competitive reasons, you know, to at least match, I think, what Philadelphia has done and Milwaukee has done, do you think as well that this is a sign maybe further strengthening the case for Kawhi Leonard to stay in Toronto after the season? Or do you think that matters or that doesn't matter? Well, at the end of the day, I I don't really think that matters um, because Gasol's 34, so he'll be here next year. And then after that, I would be very surprised if he plays anymore, to be quite honest with you. So I don't think that would, um, for Kawhi to make his decision on whether or not Gasol's going to be around for a couple of, well, this year or next year, I don't think that matters. Doesn't it give them an opportunity to go for it again next year, maybe? Well, this is is the direction I'm going in. Because if you say, if you're the Raptors and you do not make this trade, I'd be shocked if they survived the second round. Now... They got a shot to go to the NBA Finals, I think, just just on the basis of this trade alone. And the thing again, you know, I, I, I'm still part of me is still a lot of me is still optimistic that Kawhi Leonard will will re up with the Raptors. I know I'm probably in a distinct minority, but uh, I've been there before as well. Um, but I think the thing is, in terms of competitive opportunities, in terms of money that the uh, you know because the team you're with. Um, no one should be able to match their money offers uh, the way the NBA CBA works. I, I think those might end up, and if the Raptors have a good long playoff run this year and come back with basically the same lineup next season, uh, you know, does that is will that be enough to you know compel a Kawhi Leonard to re up here in Toronto? See, I sure I think, hope so, but I mean, I guess only time will tell. I, I think that the Raptors they've set themselves up to go either way. They can either go the way of sign Kawhi and sign some other players and then have that kind of a long-term future. But a lot of the um, contracts, be it Kyle Lowry, uh, be it Kawhi Leonard, uh, they're up within the next year or two. So they can go, like I said, keep trying to win uh, for the trophy or blow it all up and start from scratch. The so thing is they're really the, set up that way. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but they, they have to do some, something because next year New York has enough money for two max contracts. That's yeah, a, but, that's another story for another and time. I mean, I know right? New York is contracts, all, but who's going to go there? They well, done that they, a few they, years ago, in New York, and nobody went there. Did, did, the you, next, did, did you see that uh, how uh, how much love Kyrie was giving his dad when they were in New York this past week? No, he, he, I I I feel that Kyrie is going to be one of them. He wants out of Boston. He hates it there. And yet in October, when the season started, he's saying he loved it and he wanted to uh, resign, and now he's changed his mind. I actually saw a thing last night uh, on the Score app uh, that uh, Kyrie was quoted in the Boston media as saying that up till this point, he's only been engaged to the Celtics. 
look for the marriage to take place on July 1st. The, the, those are all just yeah, Well, yeah, but I you thought know, that was – given given what he talked, had said a couple of weeks and ago. And we haven't even talked about Anthony Davis and where is he going to go oh, because LeBron James, he's by his lonesome self in Los Angeles and the Los Angeles, they tried to trade uh, to get Anthony Davis, but that didn't end up happening. Good for LeBron too. So it's, you know, like I, I don't see uh, people going to New York. But I think uh, – Sorry, yeah. I didn't mean to cut you off either. But, You're uh, just cutting everybody off I today. Know that, I mean, sometimes I don't get a word in edgewise. i got to find out your license plate. I, I'm going to keep clear of you on if I encounter you on the 401 of the Don Valley Expressway That'd be, uh, or Don Valley Parkway. you, you got to also consider Kevin Durant is also a free agent. Exactly. I have a feeling that Kyrie Evan, and Kevin Durant are both going to go to New York. Well, I, the, I'm not putting pickled onions on that one, though. No, there's there's always that possibility. But to me, the Knicks are like the Chicago Bulls after Michael Jordan left. They had all they had tons and tons and tons of cap space, but no one wanted to go there. And I mm-hmm. just I, I see the Knicks in the same light. Absolutely, Jeff. Any? Uh, yeah, I was just going to say huh? for the Kawhi thing. I, I think you know they have Gasol, who's most likely going to pick up that twenty-five million dollar option for next year. They still have Kyle Lowry. They still have Pascal. They still have all of their bench basically coming back for next year. Maybe Kawhi just does what LeBron has been doing and KD has been doing, where they sign that two-year deal with the player option in the second year. Therefore, he's only here for one year extra if he wants. He can decline the player option in the second year and go elsewhere if he wants. So, I mean, Kyle Lowry is still going to be good next year. Marcus is still going to be good next year. You have the same team for next year. Um, maybe that's a possibility for, for Kawhi Leonard. The only uh, concern I have, uh, you know, really is a, right now is around Lowry. He's, to my mind, he's starting to develop some back issues that, you know, are causing well, he's him. had them for a few years. He now. has, but I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm reading more into this than I should be. But he seems to me to be missing a lot more action now than he was. And he's not getting any younger either. I wonder if this is going to be a larger problem going forward. So around the table, though, who even likes Kyle Lowry? You don't have to like him as long as he, uh, you know, as long as he puts up the points and wins games. Brings grit, toughness to the Raptors. I like him a lot. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure he's the most well-liked person within the Raptor organization either, but you know what, as long well, as you win. They were trying to trade him, and I think you'll see that he might get traded over the summer. But Who knows? Okay, so I, I'm the black sheep in the uh, neutral zone family today. That's fine. I, I really, Aren't you look- always? Probably, yes. <laughs> well, so we love you anyway, be Brett. Lots of players in the NBA looking for a contract. And up next on the Neutral Zone, we're going to be talking about a person that got a big contract, and that's Mr. Austin Matthews. So uh, come on back uh, here on the Neutral Zone on AMI-audio and Voices for Ability. We'll be right back. And welcome back to the Neutral Zone on AMI-audio. I'm guest hosting this week for Brock Richardson as he's participating in the 2019 Parasport Games in Whitby. So uh, we wish him luck, and I, I think he's probably uh, playing Baccia right now uh, in his competition. So I think his game started at uh, around 11, I think. Yeah, good luck to Brock. And I know Mike Ross is actually going to be there doing uh, some announcing. I think he's going to be doing some medal ceremonies, if I'm not mistaken. So and, I'm sure they'll uh, cross paths. Mr. Celebrity Mike Ross. So yeah. is our friend Nico Cardarelli. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, hopefully those three gentlemen uh, have a little bit more uh, 
fun than I plan on having this weekend. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> we have a trade to announce. Oh. The Montreal Canadiens have acquired Christian Froline and Dale Weiss from Philadelphia. Why did you get my hopes up? I uh, thought you were going to like break something big and then... Well, hold on. You haven't heard the other part of the trade. Maybe it's huge. Oh, okay. Uh, it, it's not that big. <laughs> it's not that big. <laughs> Cameron. In exchange I was trying for to get it to sizzle a bit. And... David Schlemko and Byron Freeze is in there. Former Maple Leaf Byron Freeze. Actually, I saw that the, the other night Laval played the Marlies down at Coca-Cola Coliseum. I was down there and I actually saw those guys play for Laval. So basically, that was a minor league trade. Thanks for uh, yeah. that important update, Brett. What, what did Montreal give up? <laughs> Montreal. <laughs> Froline for Weiss. Uh, or sorry, Froline and Weiss uh-huh. for Schlemenko. <laughs> Can oh. you just talk like this for the rest of the show? Oh, I love your trade voice. <laughs> we have a trade to announce. Such drama. Schlemenko and Byron Fries. Oh, okay. Well, how about we uh, talk about something really big that did happen, and that is Mr. Austin Matthews of the Toronto Maple Leafs signed a five-year contract extension on Tuesday. The deal is worth $58.17 million, and that means the annual salary cap hit is going to be $11.634 million beginning in 2019-2020, and it runs through 2023-2024. What are your thoughts on the uh, deal? Who's Austin Matthews? <laughs> um, I don't know. A couple, we both have jerseys on uh, with his number and the name on the back, so I, I thought you might know who he is. <laughs> oh, but I, 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 exposed. Bought, <laughs> I bought the jersey because I like the number 34 and I like the name Matthews. Because you just had your first filling after 34 years. <laughs> right. Right. That's so, why. Okay. Uh, no, you and know it comes full circle. Y- you know what, Cameron? Uh, I, it's... It's nice that he's going to be around for five years. Mm-hmm. Um, did they overpay for him? Maybe a little bit. But, you know, that's the price you pay for having a perennial all-star. Uh, he's one of the best pl- players in the game today, and he's going to be like that for years to come. So, I, I mean, we'll we'll have to wait and see what happens uh, going, going forward with this team. But uh, I like the deal. Leave it to the Leaf fans to nitpick this to almost nothing. <laughs> Uh, they should be happy that they have one of the best players, one of the best pure goal scorers historically in the game at his age signed. They should be so happy for that. And yet and the media and every, and some fans are, well, why didn't they get him for eight years? Mm-hmm. Well, just be quiet. <laughs> you have him for five more years. Look, and- at, look at the Blackhawks with eight-year contracts and look where they are in they the are, standings. Exactly. You know, that's... And you want to know who else out of their entry-level deal only signed a five-year contract? Who's that? That is Steven Stamkos of the Tampa Bay Lightning, and yeah. he ended up signing an eight-year deal after that yeah. to still stay. So it doesn't mean that Austin Matthews is going to be leaving us after five years. 
what it means is that in order to get the cap numbers to work, you had to sign them at five years to get them at $11 million because if you ended up signing him for eight years, you're going to end up signing him for like $13 million. So that's $2 million extra over the next five years that you're going to be able to use that money to sign other uh, players. And from what I understand, that's uh, a game with Connor McDavid in Edmonton. I think he has that kind of deal that you just described, Cam, which, you know, I mean, the salary cap will continue to to go up as, as, as years go by, but... You know, that's still as great as Connor McDavid is. That's a lot of money and a lot of term to have tied up. And I think, you know, it was a good move for both sides. Matthews, I I thought, if anything, not that he sold himself too cheaply or he he or his agent, uh, you know, he's he's earning a good buck. And if I recall correctly, I think he's going to get 93% of that money within the next two years. (laughs) Yeah, because of signing bonuses, which is also really interesting as well. Because, and I forget who it was, but I believe it was somebody from the Toronto Sun talked about signing bonuses. Yes. And players that are in the States, there's some sort of... Um, trade border agreement um, for signing bonuses that it's only taxed at 15%. Whereas if it's an actual salary here in Ontario, it's taxed at like 51% or 53%. Well, yeah, I think what you're getting confused there, I think in the States, the, the highest tax bracket, I think, is 15%. Uh, whereas here in Canada, it uh, might even be close to double that. But then the 51%, that's actually it relates to a concept called marginal tax, where you know your marginal tax rate, uh, probably the easiest way to find that is if you look it up on your, say, the next time you do your income tax return, assuming you do your income tax return, um, um, no. y- on Schedule <laughs> 1, you'll see three different tax rates. And so your marginal tax, like what will happen is, It'll say on the first, say, $20,000, your tax will be, you know, $5,000 or $2,000 or whatever. And then on the next, say, $12,000, your tax rate might be 22% of that difference. So your marginal tax rate in that case would be considered to be 22%. I may be completely off my rocker. I may be completely off my rocker. And I have a funny feeling that the three of you will agree with me. About about that, but yeah, you are. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of this uh, this signing bonus stuff being counted towards the cap. And maybe I understand that it has. It, I understand that it has to be because without without that whole, uh, I don't even know how to explain it. It would make no sense to ha- even have a cap, but it just. It's a signing bonus. It's not even really your salary as far as but I'm this concerned. This is like the capologists on each team finding the different loopholes to And that's what the Leafs team. have done. Yeah. yeah. They found a loophole because, and it was Kevin McGran uh, that tweeted this out. It says, according to a tax treaty between Canada and the United States, as a U.S. resident, Matthew's massive signing bonus, which is $54.5 million, would be taxed at 15% in Canada. His salary, which is only three point six five million, will be taxed at fifty three point five three percent. There, yeah, there you go. Yeah, and the difference being is uh, obviously signing bonuses are considered a lot differently in the United States than they are in Canada. Canada would just be classified as employment income. No, absolutely, but, but, but that's thing, a huge thing for a oh, yeah. team like the Toronto Maple well, Leafs that the, they can flex their financial muscles. The other thing, muscles. too, very quickly with the salary cap is your signing bonus can be amortized over the length of the contract. 
so that smooths things out for the teams as opposed to say if you paid a guy say 10 million one year 12 million the next and 14 after that those would be the the hits per year you yeah. see so it gives the teams a lot more predictability in managing their salary cap yeah, and I think on the next collective uh, bargaining agreement, they're going to probably wipe that out as far as the uh, salary bonuses because they want to make it all um, um, fair for all the teams. So, But anyways, on that note, this is the end of our show. For this week, I'd like to thank Dave and Brett for joining me today. I'd also like to thank our technicians, Jeff Ryman and Matt Agnew. Our producer for the show is Brock Richardson, and our manager of AMI-audio is Andy Frank. Tune in next week because you never know what may happen when you enter the neutral zone. See you next week.